This is Bloomberg Surveillance. The volatility is a result of a buildup over many, many years, Fed-sponsored, of carry trades. We need our banking sector to be able to make mistakes, because they're all human, without bringing down the whole economy or requiring a bailout. The pressures that most companies feel are not translating into the kind of investment that I think we need to drive economic growth in America or anywhere else. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance. We welcome all of you worldwide. Bloomberg Radio Plus, across this nation, Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 1130 in Spring Lake, New York, 99.1 FM, Washington, and of course out in the Bay Area waking up. We welcome uh, all of San Francisco and the Bay Area. Bloomberg 960, importantly, nationwide. And across Canada, Sirius XM Channel 119, good to have you uh, with us. It has been an odd, and I've used the word clumsy or indeterminate uh, week. We're just sort of trying to get our bearings and perspective into weekend uh, reading. I mean, it has been uh, all in all a challenge, to say the least. We'll do that with not endless data checks, but we'll keep you abreast of what equities, bonds, currencies, and commodities are doing. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Cone Resnick, accounting tax advisory to seize opportunities in commercial real estate. Your business needs market-focused guidance from the industry-leading experts at Cone Resnick. Find out how at ConeResnick.com. My reading this weekend starts with the new Foreign Affairs magazine. Congratulations to Gideon and all, uh, Richard Hassan, all over at CFR and Foreign Affairs for a must-read thick edition. Lawrence Summers uh, leads it off. I will read Tyler Cowen, George Mason. I will read here. Robert D. Kaplan. I've already started. Have you started? I've read it's Tyler's, yeah. and uh, I've read um, Larry Summers. Yeah. Headline. Uh, just crossing here. The Yahoo board has formed an independent committee to explore options. The for sale sign seems to have oh, been hung out on the door. Yeah, painful. Painful. Uh, one of the short reads of the weekend, Michael McKee signaled, uh, I, it, it's good to look at market notes that are short, sharp, focused, eight pages, nine pages, and within them is important perspective. In this case, Mike on the VIX. Nicholas, another great uh, market note. He takes apart statistics like nobody. Uh, he's uh, chief market strategist at Convergex. Uh, and he's noting that for all the volatility that we have had this year, your favorite measure, Tom, the VIX, uh, has not gone anywhere near the heights it reached back in August during the volatility then. Uh, it reached 40 uh, in those days, and uh, we're only in the mid-20s, uh, obviously falling back uh, this week to the low 20s. Uh, uh, so uh, Nick's taking apart the numbers on why this might be. Uh, we, we hear so much, Nick, about how terrified everybody is, and yet uh, they're not putting their money where their fear is. Yep. That is absolutely right. It's really been puzzling that the VIX just did not spike back to those levels that we saw back in August. And I really wondered why, and so I pulled apart the individual implied volatilities for all the sectors of the S&P, and it turns out two are doing their job and really getting volatile, and eight are not. And the two that are, energy and financials, no surprise there. Yeah, um, obviously uh, people have been concerned about what's going on, in, especially in Europe, in financials and in oil. Uh, so that makes sense. But uh, in August, technology was was way up. 
Yes, exactly right. Technology, which is obviously the, the biggest sector in the S&P, 21% weighting right now, is an important sector to see get more volatile if you think volatility is going to increase. It did that in August. It hasn't done that this year, I think perhaps because uh, investors are looking at technology as being somewhat insulated from the European financial situation, the situation with oil, and even the situation in China. So it's temporarily formed this little moat around itself, and we'll see how long that lasts. Well, is, that, is this telling us that what we're dealing with is sort of overseas concerns outside of uh, the oil patch in the U.S.? Because there's as we just mentioned, been a lot of concern about what happens to Yahoo. Uh, Apple was everybody's favorite pinata for a while, and yet it just doesn't seem to be reflected in these fear gauges. Yeah, that's exactly right. I went and actually looked at the four biggest names in technology, the Microsofts, the Apples, yeah. the Googles, and so forth, and it's really a mixed bag. Some are showing volatility like they did in August, some are not. So your point's well taken. For the moment, it seems to be technology's a story-by-story -story situation versus a macro call like oil or financials. What is your experience on actually using the VIX? I find that it borders on, you know, medieval alchemy. Uh, the, the way, to me, it's wildly asymmetric. It has value highly extended towards fear and angst. And other than that, I have trouble using VIX. Where are you? I use just the basic numbers to guide me. So, for example, the, the average of the VIX since its founding in 1990 is 20, and the standard deviation is 8. So within a very broad band, literally down to 10 or up to 36, you're not really getting a lot of, of signal. That's why I look at 40 on the VIX is where we start to get interested, because then statistically it is two standard deviations away from the mean, and we can start to pay attention. It got there in August. It didn't get there this year. I, I, I look, you know, at, at the elevations, and obviously we're dampened down now. Is the VIX market now, Nick, so sophisticated in its derivative use of forward markets that the VIX now is not the same VIX we knew and loved 10 years ago? I think it's a very good point, you know, for no other reason than that we have all these VIX-related ETF products, which, by the way, have had about half a billion dollars of redemptions year-to-date, so there's actually less need to hedge those products than there was in the fourth quarter of last year. So there's a lot of countercurrents. That's why you got to stick to these big outlier numbers, and otherwise it does tend to be a little noisier than history would indicate. Um, is that uh, uh, a good thing or bad thing that we have all of these ETF products. Is the VIX a reliable enough? Uh, I, I guess it's, it, you know, the number is what it is, but is it dangerous for people uh, who invest in ETFs, which, who might be, you know, significantly retail? Yeah, it's a great point. You know, there's no such thing, or there shouldn't be any such thing as an investor in those volatility products. There should be traders. There should be folks who hedge out for a day or two. You know, but look at the long-term charts on any of those products, and you realize they're not for long-term holds. They are purely trading products, and you got to use them as that way and no other. How uh, Do you use them? I have used them, yes. We tend to have 30-day hold periods at brokerage firms here in the States, so it's hard to use them for any consistent period of time because I don't want to hold them for 30 days. What do you look at when you're, when you're looking at a, a VIX index to buy into? 
I look for basically, I look at the long-term price chart to see how well it actually correlates to the VIX. A lot of these products reset every day, and so you have to be very careful on these, any daily reset product that you're buying it for the appropriate period of time and that it does actually track what it purports to track because those daily resets can kill you mm-hmm. when volatility is high. What do hydrocarbons tell you right now? We asked Kate Moore of this at J.P. Morgan. Uh, private bank this morning, and uh, she was remarkably cautious about the mystery of what hydrocarbon shares do. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah, it's a great point, and that's well put. The bottom line is that energy stocks act okay here. I'm actually a fan. I understand where the commodity market's taking us, but I think equities should be all right. They've actually been in line with the S&P so far year to date, and a lot of the bigger names have done even better. So I think that we're pretty washed out. We see that in the money flows on the ETF side, and we see that in the price action. So I like them for here. You also like gold. I do like gold, and that's that's a hard one to like because it's been unlovable for the last four years since those 2011 peaks. But it trades extremely well, and I do think even if you're not pre-destined uh, to like gold philosophically, it's a really right. important market tell. Are you a technical or a fundamental on gold? James Steele's given us such good perspective from HSBC, but he's completely fundamental on good demand dynamics. I would say I'm 50-50. I totally okay. respect that many many folks need to look at technicals to trade gold because it doesn't have those classic fundamental outputs like cash flow to analyze. But I'm also bullish on the demand picture, and I think it is one of those rare risk hedges that people will flock to if things get more volatile. Nick, final question. Pitchers and catchers, they all return. What will you glean this weekend from pitchers and catchers at spring training. It's all about chemistry between pitchers and catchers. You know, it is the most important relationship in baseball. they got to get along. <laughs> That's, like the smartest thing. That's the smartest thing we've heard this week. Nick Colas with Convergex uh, with a really smart note uh, about breaking up the VIX and looking at its subparts and uh, sees a pretty good market away from energy and Financials futures at negative six, down futures negative forty six. Uh, yields were in, and there's been a really nice reversal. I don't want to make too much of it on a churning Friday, uh, but nevertheless, the tape ugly two hours ago, and we've got a nice little lift up here. Uh, dollar weakness fractionally, uh, yen one twelve ninety five was much stronger earlier. We pulled away uh, from that. Uh, the German two-year has my full attention. We had a full uh, negative 0.54 print to three digits now, negative 0.534 on the German two-year yield. West Texas, $30, 21 cents a barrel. Let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Libya was the scene today in the fight against the Islamic State group. American warplanes struck multiple targets, including an apparent Islamic State training camp and a senior extremist leader. A U.S. official who did not want to be identified did not go into details about the leader or the area in Libya where the airstrikes were conducted. The casket of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia will be on public view today in the Great Hall of the Supreme Court building. The justice's former law clerks will take turns standing vigil throughout the day and night. It is NASA's version of a trash incinerator. A pair of astronauts aboard the International Space Station released a capsule loaded with 1.5 tons of trash. 
The capsule should re-enter the atmosphere and burn up harmlessly over the Pacific tomorrow. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Hello, Michael. We brought Matt Damon back from Mars. We can figure out what to do with trash (laughs) over the Pacific. Stay with us worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance. The news update brought to you by Benzo Bush Motor Car in Englewood, New Jersey, offering a commitment to service, luxury, and value with total transparency from America's premier automotive dealership. To find the way you drive at BenzoBush.com.